Back to throw, Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How the hell is it going, everybody? It is Sunday night. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have got a Miami Dolphins... That's right. It is Victory Sunday slash Monday here on the Drive Time Podcast. We're going to recap Dolphins 43, 49ers 17, a massive blowout victory, a rout of the 49ers here on the road. Plenty of history made in this game, both individually and from the Dolphins team. We'll get into the stats, the individual performances. I'll get you my five takeaways from the game, and we'll hear from John Kinjemi. A busy, busy show here on this Sunday, October the 11th, Victory Edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And support from Drive Time comes from AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. Let's go ahead and get into this game here with some stats off the top because there are plenty to cover. The Miami Dolphins postgame notes are rather extensive. With the 43-17 win, Miami improves to 2-3 and three on the season. It's our third road victory in the past four road games going back to last season. And it's the Dolphins' first win at San Francisco since 2004 and the first ever win in the first ever game for Miami at the new Levi's Stadium. They have now won four of the past five games against NFC West opponents. And this is the Dolphins' first win at an NFC West opponent since November 20th. 2016 when Miami beat the Los Angeles Rams in that game and the Dolphins are now eight and six all time against the 49ers. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick and that offense? The Dolphins scored on six of their seven possessions in the first half opening up a 30 to seven halftime lead. Fitzpatrick was 15 for 20 with 251 yards and two touchdowns and had completions of 47 yards and 70 yards to Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki. Those 30 first half points are the second most since at least 2000. The Dolphins had 41 first half points in the first half of the 2015 game against Houston on October the 25th. And this is the Dolphins' third 30-point half since at least 2000. In addition to the 2015 Texans game, Miami put up 30 points in the second half of the December 21st, 2014 game versus Minnesota. And Miami's six scoring drives in the first half are the most since at least 2000 in a single half. The Dolphins ran 33 offensive plays and gained 281 yards in the half. That's an average of 8.5 yards per play. Have mercy. They outgained San Francisco by a margin of 281 to 140 yardage in that first half. The Dolphins had three scoring drives in the first half after the two-minute warning. Jason Sanders booted field goals with two minutes, 38 seconds, and no time remaining on that first half clock. It was the first time since at least 1991 the Dolphins have scored three drives in the final two minutes of any half. And for Fitzpatrick, another banner day for this guy. He completed his 3,000th pass in this game. He's just the 27th player in NFL history to do that. He threw for 350 yards. It was the 23rd 300-yard performance in his career and his seventh now with Miami in one year and a quarter, one year and some change there. Fitzpatrick has now thrown for 300-plus yards in five of his last seven games, and his seven 300-yard games for the Dolphins are tied with Chad Henney for third most in franchise history. 
He hooked up with Devontae Parker on a third and goal play from the 22-yard line, and that gave Miami a 21-7 lead there in the first half. It was the longest touchdown on a third and goal play at the 22-yard line since December 27th of 2001 when Aaron Brooks of the New Orleans Saints found Willie Jackson on a third and goal pass from the 28-yard line. Mike Gesicki's 70-yard reception in this game was Miami's longest pass play since 2018 when Ryan Tannehill found Leonte Carew in that Colts game back in 2018. And that reception put Gesicki over 1,000 career receiving yards as he finished the day with five catches for 91 yards. Preston Williams had a career day with 106 yards on four receptions and a touchdown. Devontae Parker caught two balls for 50 yards and a touchdown. Miles Gaskin had five catches for 34 yards. He also contributed with 16 rushing yards for or 16 rushes rather for 57 yards. And on special teams, Jason Sanders broke the Dolphins record for most consecutive field goals made to open a season. He hit five field goals to give him 14 consecutive to open the campaign. That tops Pete Stojanovic and Alindo Mare in 1990 and 2001, who made 13 field goals to open those respective seasons. And Sanders has now made 16 consecutive field goals going back to last season. And the good times keep on rolling here on this Victory Sunday slash Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast after the Dolphins get a 43-17 to over San Francisco, the stats from that game, Dolphins put up 436 total yards to San Francisco's 259. The Dolphins were 6 for 14 on third and fourth down, including two of those on fourth down. We'll hear from Brian Flores on that decision as well as Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Niners were 2 for 12 on third and fourth down conversion attempts. Miami had 342 through the air. San Francisco 128. The Niners did have 131 rushing yards to Miami's 94. But the Dolphins did get three takeaways and five sacks have a day defense compared to Miami's zero turnovers and got sacked only twice by the 49ers pass rush there in that game. Dolphins committed seven penalties for 69 yards. San Francisco had seven for 75 yards and the Dolphins had the ball for 36 minutes, 53 seconds compared to San Francisco's 23 minutes and seven seconds worth of time of possession. Let's go ahead and get to some of the quotes here from Coach and Fitz and the other guys. And we start here with Coach Flores talking about what this mean wins to the locker room, to that young team, and to the entire organization here for the Miami Dolphins. I think the way these guys prepare, the way we practice, um, how important all this is to them, I think it's just a, you know, a, a byproduct of all those things, uh, the way they practice, the way they prepare. Um, look, it's not easy to win in this league. Um, it wasn't easy today. Um, so that's a good football team. Uh, a lot of credit to to, to them and, 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 you know, Kyle and, you know, they, John Lynch and, and Jetty Ork, they've done a good job building a really strong football team. Um, but you know, our guys, you know, they showed up and brought a lot of energy here today. Um, and that's the, that's the type of, uh, you know, preparation and, um, that we need to have success in this league. I think they're learning that again, you know, hopefully we're learning that and we, and we understand what it, that that's what it takes. That's the type of preparation we need. We got to do it every week. You know, one, you know, one week is it, this week's great. We'll try. We'll enjoy it. Um, but uh, we got to we got to string something together. And how about from Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Dolphins' offensive game plan? How things kind of got going, and they're a plan to attack vertically to Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, and getting all the guys involved going deep down the football field. I thought, I thought obviously we got off to a great start with the the deep one to Preston, and you know I think just evaluating the few games before that you know, we haven't taken enough shots down the field and given our guys chances. And we've got some pretty, 
uh, big targets out there and, and guys that can really run. So that was a big part of today's game plan. And, uh, you know, those, those guys made some good plays. And then just, you know, the vibe throughout practice, even though we, we've lost a few, uh, there's been a lot of confidence and guys have been working. So, um, you know, this is a, a team that's very resilient. I think we showed that today coming out to the West Coast and playing like we did. Um, but it didn't it didn't surprise us at all. Uh, I think this is this was expected for us, and I'm happy with the way you know we played on both sides of the ball. And I think I think with how young we are as well, I, I think it's a nice confidence boost. Um, you know, we'll get back and and watch the film, but uh, Rob Hunt getting in there and getting some action for the first time. Obviously, Solomon has stepped up, but um, just a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball. So having that feeling of confidence early. And knowing that, you know, we're going to play well, I think that really helps out, um, especially with some of the youth and experience that we have on the team. I think that's really important for us, maybe more so than, you know, in past years or on past teams. And uh, I think that momentum helped us today. And we'll go ahead and finish up here with Fitzpatrick talking about the defensive performance, but also the decision to have that fake punt call on that fourth down backed up to their own 34-yard line. Clayton Fedulum converts that at that stage of the game. Here's Fitzpatrick on the defense and that call that he calls the call of the game. I thought, I mean, to get a few turnovers there and, you know, every time you see the other quarterback getting sacked and getting hit, uh, you know, getting off the field on third down or fourth down, that stuff is a huge boost for us uh, on offense and, uh, I do. I do think we played really well off of each other today, and you know that's something that Flo always talks about. And this was this was a great team win in, in terms of being able to do some good stuff on both sides of the ball. And then, you know, the the fourth down in the second half and calling the fake punt. Uh, I thought that might have been the call of the game, and really just allowed us to maintain the momentum and uh, add to our lead. Let's go ahead and keep the fun rolling on this podcast there and pick it up where Fitz left off talking about this defense and some of the stats these guys had. Eric Rowe had four tackles in the game, two passes defense. Bobby McCain had three tackles of his own, a PBU, and also an interception in the game. Emmanuel Ogba had the sack, the forced fumble, a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage. Xavier Howard gets two pass breakups and an interception. Kamu Grugier-Hill had three tackles, had one sack taken off the board on a penalty there as well. Jerome Baker, seven tackles in this game. Also had a sack in this game. Zach Sealer had the big sack. Sam McGuavin gets in there for a couple of tackles late in the game. You guys saw that in that fourth quarter. Christian Wilkins had a tackle as well as the fumble recovery there. Towards the end of the game, Andrew Van Ginkle, four, uh, four total tackles, I should say, and a sack. They lost eight yards on that play. He also forced a fumble, and he was just really playing aggressive and strong all throughout this game. Setting that edge, stringing plays out there, beating blocks inside. Was very, very impressed with Andrew Van Ginkle. Let's go ahead and get now into the five takeaways ways a little bit late into the podcast usually we cover that first but I thought that all those stats and all those notes were so important to get to because this team just came out and I mean lifelong Dolphins fan here guys I can't remember a complete win or a win that was that complete in quite some time maybe the 2017 game against Denver was a pretty good one obviously the comprehensive 2015 win over the Houston Texans in that game this game measures up there with those games that you really remember as a Dolphins fan that really stick out in your mind as just pure outliers of three phases of dominant football and that's what we got from the Miami Dolphins. That's where the first takeaway from this game starts here. Talking about the Dolphins' ability to approach each opponent as a different entity, as a one-week season, as it were. They talk about it, right? And a lot of coaches in the NFL will talk about the approach of being weekly adaptable. But this coaching staff, 
they preach it and they practice it on the football field. And we saw it big time in this week. We talked about it in the pregame lead up. Durham Smythe missed a couple of practices. We weren't sure if he'd be able to go. And then Coach Flores on Friday announces that Durham Smythe could not go. And this comes one week after the Miami Dolphins had three tight ends with Mike Gesicki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen all played 20 or more snaps. Gesicki was up in the 40s, Smythe in the high 20s, Shaheen right around 20. And this week they come out, they only dress two tight ends. You heard Fitzpatrick talk about the game plan to get the vertical passing game going deep. They went after that over and over and over again. And we knew they were without Richard Sherman and Kawan Williams and Emmanuel Mosley. And so go after the depth of that cornerback position. And the Dolphins got plays from their big guys when they most needed it in this game. I mean, 50-50 balls for Preston Williams and Devontae Parker in this game. They really seemed more like 80-20 balls. We saw Jakeem Grant catch a pass on a speed out against off coverage, really respecting that deep speed that he offers and just eat up the space underneath and get that quick pass, turn it upfield, get yourself a first down. This offensive game plan, I just love the calls from Chan Gailey throughout the course of this game. The vertical sh- the vertical shots they took up the football field. That was the first takeaway was how adaptable this team is to facing the opponent they have across from them and they talk about it and they proved it in this one with a big resounding victory going vertical down the field in the passing game. Takeaway number two is the offensive line, the next man up mentality. And I put Eric Flowers in the notes here by himself individually because I just continue to be so impressed with the job he's doing. He had this block on the Miles Gaskin touchdown run where he pulled out play side. You pull the left guard play side. You have the outside defender, the force defender, the guy that sets the edge, the one that kind of funnels the play back inside to all of his friends, and Eric Flowers comes out and just pancakes him. He just landed on top of him, wiped him out, and that has been so consistent throughout the year. I think that's been pretty consistent throughout the year at the right guard position as well with Solomon Kinley. And on the Dolphins' first drive of the game, that first touchdown to Adam Shaheen, there was a run where Miles Gaskin looked like he might get bottled up right around the line of scrimmage. It was a first and goal from the 9 or 10-yard line, and he kind of has patience, runs into the back of the offensive line, and then picked a gap and found his way through and got the ball down to the 3-yard line to set up the Shaheen touchdown catch. And on that play, Ted Karras moves his man a couple of gaps and creates that secondary hole for Gaskin to squirt through. But the big key here is the next man up mentality. This team wants to play with both on offense and on defense. You go down Austin Jackson, your rookie left tackle. You think about some possible combinations to put into the game. Brian Flores talked about it last week. Do they go Julian Davenport who replaced Jackson last week and played well in his 25 snaps, no pressures in that particular game. But what were they going to do in this game? Put Jesse Davis over at left tackle, get Robert Hunt, the rookie lineman, some work at right tackle. Well, that's what they did. I thought Robert Hunt played a good game. I thought Jesse Davis at left tackle played himself a good game. Another credit to this Dolphins offensive line five weeks in looks very sharp, looks very deep, looks very solid. They can move guys off the ball. Pass protection has been good. Big ups for the Dolphins offensive line that's very young, has four new starters on it this year, even in this game with Davis kicking out to left tackle. So big ups to the offensive line. Number three, the defensive plan and Eric Rowe. That was my note for the takeaway there. Brian Flores praised Josh Boyer in his post-game presser with his plan that he came up with in this game. I thought there was several different looks and blitz packages that really helped confuse Jimmy Garoppolo early in the game and then later on C.J. Beathard. They did a good job putting interior pressure on Garoppolo, right? And Kyle Shanahan said in his post or his halftime interview that they took Jimmy Garoppolo out not because of performance, but because they wanted to protect him. They thought that maybe that ankle wasn't quite all the way back ready, especially with the pressure the Dolphins were getting throughout the course of this game. You saw Miami load up the 
interior of that defensive line with those bodies, right? Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw getting those big bodies up front. They would go head up over the center, two guys head up over the guard, and then rush linebackers and off of that. And that just created interior pressure throughout the course of the game. It made Jimmy Garoppolo very uncomfortable. It made some throws kind of get popped up into the air, gave the Dolphins some opportunities to get interceptions in that first half, which they did. And it got the quarterback on the ground, got a strip sack in there from Andrew Van Ginkle. I loved the way they rushed the quarterback. They had a big stop on a third down with dollar defense. That's seven defensive backs into the formation. They had Christian Wilkins and Emmanuel Ogba down linemen with Kyle Van Noy and Kamu Gruje Hill as the linebackers in the game. And the rest of the guys were defensive backs. So a seven defensive back package there to help get the defense off the field. Third down stops throughout the course of the game. Bobby McCain played a big game as well, but so did his running mate in Eric Rowe. A big matchup in this game on George Kittle. And Kittle caught one pass that was away from Eric Rowe. It was the on the touchdown drive to start the third quarter for San Francisco. He wound back across the formation and there was nobody in the coverage area. So you wouldn't say he was Eric Rowe's guy. And Rowe was actually on the opposite side of the formation. So George Kittle winds up with four catches for 44 yards, but only had three for 33 working on Eric Rowe. This is a guy that caught 15 passes on all 15 targets last week for a buck 83 and a touchdown. This is a guy that's the first team all pro tight end last year in the NFL. And Eric Rowe comes in here and just clamps him down, man. And that's what he's done throughout the course of his Dolphins career. Enters the game with 5.15 yards per target allowed since that switch last season to the strong safety position, to the safety linebacker corner. Quasi does every damn thing on your defensive position. And Eric Rowe continues to have a stellar season. This one year after he signs a one-year deal in Miami to come over here and be a cornerback, makes the switch to safety, gets the contract extension. Now we were talking about him as a key focal point of that defense. Love seeing the way Eric Rowe played in this game through the course of the season and his Dolphins career so far. Takeaway number four, I mean, you could have put this number one. I'm not really going in order here. I just kind of wrote these out throughout the course of the game. But it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? The, the, the awareness of the matchups, knowing where you can go ahead and take your shots down the football field, finding that one-on-one coverage, going after a cornerback who's fresh up off the practice squad and just making it a point to trust your guys to make plays and trust our talent. You heard Fitz talk about it in his presser there a little bit. I love the fact that when he gets pressure on him and maybe they don't pick up that free rusher, maybe they don't have the best protection call they possibly could have and that free rusher does come into the face of the quarterback, he knows where that football has to go. He gets it out and not only does it prevent him from taking a big shot and getting our starting quarterback hit maybe out of the game, it gets the offense a chance to make a play. It preserves a possible sack and loss of yardage. It keeps you ahead of the chains. It's just so valuable to have that veteran experience, those veteran eyes, and that veteran decision-making back there to go ahead and make those plays down the field. And the Dolphins paid it off today. It wasn't just protecting against sacks allowed. It was doing that and adding big plays off the back end of the field. They had five plays the Dolphins did that beat their previous season-high 27-yard play, the Mike Gesicki reception before the halftime buzzer against the Buffalo Bills. Miami had five plays that exceeded that 27-yard gain in this particular game. 70 yards to Mike Gesicki, a perfectly thrown corner route, and Gesicki, the little shake and move to the inside, back to the corner, little post-corner route, we call that. Fitzpatrick floats it over the top right in the breadbasket, good for a huge catch and run for 70 yards from the Dolphins' big tight end. 
We talked about Preston Williams, the very first play of the game, 47 yards up the perimeter on that particular play. Fitz drops that one right in the bucket. That ball probably would have hit halfway on the green grass and halfway on the white paint on the sideline. Just perfect location for your guy to make a play and keeping it out of harm's way of the defensive back as well. And a great job by Preston Williams to get that separation there at the top of the route and make a play with the cornerback in his back pocket as he worked up that sideline. He also had the 32-yard touchdown reception down the middle of the field. And you see the split safety look there of the Niners kind of drive to one side of the formation and Fitch just rips that thing down the seam for an accurate, perfect throw. 32 yards into the end zone for the touchdown. And that was one play after a screen pass to Matt Breida for 31 yards. So you see the Dolphins running back getting involved there. We also had our first 20-yard rush of the game with Miles Gaskin going for 21 yards in that second half. And the other play that was the biggest or bigger than the previous high was a 28-yard reception to Devontae Parker in the first quarter, but that wasn't Devontae's biggest catch. It was, of course, the 28-yard touchdown on third and goal from the 22-yard line. Of course, we talked about that. The biggest conversion on third and goal or longest conversion on third and goal since 2001 with the New Orleans Saints, Aaron Brooks and Willie Jackson in that game. Throwing vertically in this game, Fitzpatrick was five for six for 199 yards and two touchdowns on passes that traveled more than 20 yards down the field. So Fitzpatrick just balling is your fourth takeaway. And the fifth takeaway is Brian Flores. And we saw Christian Wilkins after the game run up to him, give him the football. Very Very the replacements-esque there with Danny Bateman, John Favreau's character, after they want him to get the ball for the onside kick. Coach, I got you the ball! I got you the ball! And he goes over there and hands him the football. That's exactly what Christian Wilkins did. He got Coach Flores his football. You see the way this team rallies around their head coach, the way they embody his personality. And I thought... I thought coming into this game, this Dolphins team would be aggressive downfield, and I thought they would come out sharp and not have that flat start because... Brian Flores just does not tolerate losing. He's not going to do it. And so you're going to see this team after a disappointing loss come out and turn the screws up, get things going, and really make sure they play strong, fast, early. And that's exactly what happened in this game. So the resilience of this team, Fitzpatrick talked about it as well. It's something you see in this game, something you see to come out to the West Coast and get a big victory over a good football team. You love to see that for Coach Flores and his boys. So the takeaways, the weekly approach adaptation, we've seen it talked about. Now we've seen it with our eyes and put into practice on the football field. The offensive line, next man up mentality, takeaway number two. Number three, the defensive plan was awesome, and Eric Rowe is awesome as well. Number four, Fitzpatrick just bawling out of his mind. And number five, this team playing for their head coach and having a fast start when they absolutely needed it in this game. Coming in one and three, and now we exit two and three with a home game next week against the New York Jets. We'll talk more about that here in just one second. Some other individual notes I wrote down in this game. Don't have to go in further on Fitzpatrick. I think I covered how much of a MVP level game he had in this particular performance. At the running back position, I just continue to love the way Miles Gaskin absorbs contact and keeps his eyes up. Like after he gets that initial hit, he keeps his eyes upfield and can kind of stretch out and get that extra two or three yards. And that's so valuable to stay ahead of the chains, stay on schedule, especially when you have a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick who can really dissect a defense on that third and short. Third and four becomes so much easier to convert than third and eight. And Miles Gaskin really gives you a good opportunity to do that. At the receiver position, I wrote down a great note here for Isaiah Ford about the way he scooped up a low pass on a third down conversion, a third and long. He and Fitzpatrick continue to have that chemistry to sit down on those zones and he really catches everything you throw at him. If he gets himself open, he's going to catch the football. I thought that Jakeem Grant got open on a few plays. He had the nice clutch first down on a speed out route. We talked about that with the matchup portion. He also got open on a on a comeback route with a uh, takeoff speed. You really see the way his speed impacts the defense. They have to really respect it and play kind of 
deep. Preston Williams making big catches down the football field, career high with 106 yards in this game. At tight end, Adam Shaheen, I think, continues to have a really nice start to his Miami Dolphins career. He gets it paid off with a touchdown reception in this game. Mike Gesicki continues to just be fluid and smooth and fights through contact and can really run up the stem through reroutes and gets himself into position to make plays in the football. We talked about the post-corner route. That was a nasty move he had on Jaquiski Tart in that particular play. The offensive line talked about those guys a good amount. I love Robert, Robert Hunt's ability to quickly get to his spot and get to his set and anchor against power moves. thought Jesse Davis did a fine job at left tackle as well. We talked about the interior guys earlier on. Zach Sealer rushing head up over Trent Williams and works inside for a sack. How about that play from that guy? And then Christian Wilkins and Emmanuel Ogba on that fourth down stop. My goodness, the way they reset the line of scrimmage and just push that offensive line back and created space for Landon Roberts to come in. And they had him held up, but Roberts finished that playoff with a good stick and kind of forced the running back backwards to make sure he was not going to get the line to gain there. Thought Devon Godshaw had some really nice plays as well in this game. Came off his block for a big tackle on what could have been a bigger chunk gain earlier in the game that wound up going for four yards. He does that a lot. And Emmanuel Ogba, man, this guy plays all over the defense. He rushes off the edge, got another sack in this game. He had a big pass breakup where he condensed down to the two technique position right across from the offensive guard, gets his big mitts in there, resets that line, pushes him back and gets up for the PBU. Great work there from the Dolphins defensive line. We talked about linebackers and Landon Roberts thought he had his best game as a Miami Dolphin, had a big sack in this game, the big fourth down stop as well. And the gangster man, Andrew Van Ginkle, playing off those pulling guards, setting the edge, getting that pass rush move going. What a game he had. Jerome Baker, I thought, had his best game of the year as well. Big time sack there late in the game, rushing the passer, playing those hook zones back in that little second intermediate level of the defense, playing really good ball for Jerome Baker there. Touched on Kamu Grugier-Hill's game. He was all over the place in this game as well. Nick Needham had himself a couple of pass breakups. Xavier Howard. I love the way Xavier Howard uh, handled the crossing routes in this game. Some of those over routes kind of got in that back pocket. Almost got himself a pick on one of those and would come back later and get himself an interception on a pass that got popped up there. We barely ever heard Byron Jones' name in this game. Allowed just one reception in the entire game. So that was awesome to see him come back and just kind of change the way this Dolphins defense can operate because he's so smooth and so solid locking down one one side of the field and really just being physical and aggressive. And, and you just don't hear his name that often. That's kind of his game. He, he locks guys out. You don't hear about him. You look up at the score or the box score at the end of the game and his guy has one or two catches for like maybe 10 or 20 yards. So a very typical Byron Jones game here. And we talked about Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain as well and Jason Sanders and Matt Hawk. And I mean, what can you say, man? Clayton Fedulum converts the fourth down conversion play. 43-17, comprehensive victory. And John Kinjemi and I joked about this last week on the podcast how Maybe we got to stop doing these recap podcasts because the last time we did one or didn't do one, rather, the Dolphins won in convincing fashion. But we're going to go ahead and get John Kinjemi on the phone right now and have him talk about his three takeaways from this convincing Dolphins 43-17 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast, a little bit of crossover action on your Miami Dolphins podcast network, the co-host of the Audible Podcast, Miami Dolphins multimedia analyst. He is John Kinjemi. John, we joked about it last week about how maybe we shouldn't do these anymore because the one time we didn't do it, Dolphins got a convincing win. But here we are, Sunday night, convincing win in our back pockets. How's it feeling for you? Well, it feels pretty good, to be honest with you. I mean, that was a complete domination from start to finish. And the Dolphins were able to find ways even when san francisco tried to get back into the game i thought they did an excellent job of 
uh, answering a score with a score, answering a stop with a stop. And they were able to stay two steps ahead of the 49ers, who are a good football team. But the Dolphins seemed like they had all the answers on offense, defense, and on special teams today. Yeah, absolutely. They did. Jason Sanders with the five field goals in this game. He now has 14 consecutive makes to start the season off. And you talk about the, you know, the blowout on the scoreboard, this Dolphins team now has a plus 20 point differential. And I recall so many times in the past, it was like, you know, we're, we're seven and six or seven and seven, but the point differential, everyone's kind of getting on you for that. Well, this two and three Dolphins team now has a plus point differential. So maybe things are turning up that way. Both coach and Fitz talked about, you know, stringing a few wins together here to get this season really going. Let's go ahead though, John, and start with your first takeaway from your three takeaways up on MiamiDolphins.com. Well, I think the first thing about the game is the way the offense played and their big play ability. Their, their, the play calling really matched the situations of how they wanted to attack the San Francisco secondary. And I, I think that pushing the ball down the field, getting opportunities for Williams and Parker and Kosicki, not only in the red zone, but on the fringe of the red zone, the way they opened the game up with a huge pass play down the sidelines, the way they were able to capitalize uh, from 22 yards out on a third and goal situation and get a, a touchdown to to Devontae Parker. I, I just thought those were the difference makers in the football game. And they scored at one point in the game, I remember writing down in my notes, they scored on nine of 11 possessions. That, that just doesn't happen, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it, there were a lot of good things, but they were able not only to settle for field goals this week, they were able to score touchdowns, and, and they came from everywhere on the field. And I thought that was that was a big change, not only in the philosophy of the play calling, but the execution of the offense. We talk about a comprehensive win. I couldn't agree more with you on the offensive side of the ball, but something tells me one of your other two takeaways is going to be on that defensive side, right? Athletic and versatile defense. Yes, yes. I, I think you got to see a lot of different formations, a lot of different coverage, a lot of different schemes out of Josh Boyer and the defensive coordinator. I thought the front seven really complemented the way the secondary played. And and for a number of weeks, I thought the linebackers, you know, kind of disappeared from the Miami Dolphins defense. Today, Jerome Baker gets in. He was a, a constant fixture in the offensive backfield of San Francisco. I thought Van Ginkle pressuring from the line of scrimmage uh, as, as an outside end or slash linebacker played really well. And I thought a, a lot of guys just had complimentary play. I thought Eric Rowe was the perfect matchup against George Kittle. Kittle coming off of a, a career-high 15-catch performance last week, I think they held him to maybe four catches today. So I thought that was a really big deal in terms of the way they turned it around and used an asset for San Francisco and turned it into a liability. And I thought five sacks, two interceptions, and this is a team going back to last year uh, where a defense, they've had 11 straight games with at least one turnover. And you really forget a lot of that stuff from the Miami Dolphins defense because normally they're getting the, the fingers pointed at, at that side of the football. But I thought today, Garoppolo, Beathard, they had no answer for the pressure. The offensive line was totally out outmanned by the by the front seven of the Miami Dolphins. And I just thought they were more athletic. They were more versatile, uh, just as they were on offense. They got to certain schemes that you haven't seen so far yeah. through four games. And I thought that really uh, the San Francisco offensive line had problems identifying who was coming from where. 
I love the way you phrased that whole entire thing, John, because I talked about it on, on the podcast before you came on. There was a good dollar package with seven defensive backs and you know two down linemen, two linebackers that caused pressure on Garoppolo and played good coverage to get a stop on the back end there as well. Talk about a bare front. You go head up over the center and head up over the guard, and then you rush linebackers in behind that with a quarterback who has a bum ankle. So put pressure on him on the interior. And I think you mentioned it. We really saw what the vision of this defense is going to be, right? Running those games, running those blitz packages, and, and kind of trying to confuse the quarterback into those pressures while you play good coverage on the back end. Man, like I, I can't be more excited about the way that defense played. And before we get to your last takeaway, John, I want to ask you, because I think this is something we have to go to the all 22 before we can really appreciate it. But I get the sense that Byron Jones might change the way you do things because I recall him giving up one catch and then pretty much never hearing his name again. Well, he has so much speed and tenacity in the way he covers. You could stick him on the other speed receiver or the other receiver that's starting to get hot, and he's he's aggravating to, to run routes against because he's so he's so sticky. You know, he he's he's a guy that likes to play physically. He can run and adjust and, and flip his hips with 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 very little problem. It does it with ease, and I think that it really helps out. It helps out. X on the other side because X plays a different style, but yet they they are similar in the results that they get when they're when they're healthy. Uh, I think you can stick those guys out on an island and play coverage with everybody else. You saw it today. I, I thought X did a really good job on his side of the field. Byron, uh, now healthy, did a an excellent job on uh, I think it was Ayuk uh, who, who he was mainly going up against. And then you you break it down into Roe versus Kittle. If you go three for three on most of those plays, San Francisco is going to have nowhere to go with the football. And they didn't. They had Mostert, and they and they had a little bit of McKinnon, and that was it. I mean, there was nowhere else. That, Samuels didn't show up. I, I thought the Dolphin defense won their individual battles in the secondary. That allowed the front seven to get after the quarterback, no matter who it was. Yeah, you talk about Eric Rowe. I think that guy's turning into a full-blown star at this point. He is... He has something special back there, John. And, uh, you know, it, it makes me think I want to see this team get a chance again with Byron Jones up against a Seattle and a Buffalo. We will see Buffalo again later this year, not Seattle on the schedule, unfortunately. But, John, let's go ahead and get to your third takeaway here from this 43-17 Dolphins victory over the 49ers. Well, I thought the Miami Dolphins uh, really played with the confidence and the energy of their head coach. And, and I think that tone was set during the week, I thought they really had a great week of work, and I think that that carried over into the game because they played with confidence. I mean, you, you run a fake punt deep in your own end, you better be confident <laughs> if that doesn't work that the defense is going to be able to bounce back on the field and hold San Francisco to a field goal opportunity. When you're third and goal from your 22 and you just had it first and goal at the one, and you throw a pass into the end zone to one of your playmakers that might be a 50-50 chance, you better have confidence that your quarterback's going to put the ball in a position where your receiver's going to get it or you're going to have to trot out a guy that hasn't missed all year for, for another field goal opportunity. So I, I just think that they played with a lot of confidence and a lot of energy today, and I, I think it's starting to get contagious. I think they did as well against Seattle. I thought they played... They gave themselves opportunities to win that game. I, I guarantee you, if you asked Ryan Fitzpatrick if he could have two or three plays back from that Seattle game where he could find Mike Kosicki going down the middle of the field, 
that they, instead of incompletions or negative plays, they, those plays turn into touchdowns. And I know that happens every week, but today you didn't miss them. Yeah. Today you got more help from the defense. You got more help from, from your kicking game, continuing the help from the kicking game from last week. And I think he just played with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more execution, and the result was a, a blowout win. You talked about the energy that, that Brian Flores' you know, kind of personality had. Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about a postgame, how that permeates throughout the Dolphins roster and how that decision to go for it on fourth down really kind of set a tone and talked about the confidence and the aggressiveness that gave the Dolphins offensively, defensively in the kicking game. Just a comprehensive win. And John, we talked about this, I think, after the Seahawks game. Don't get to see you for a few weeks, but now... I get to see you next Sunday, sir. Yeah, that's right. The, the schedule is really flipped around on its head. <laughs> yeah, and now we have uh, the Jets coming to town, and, and they, they're winless. Uh, they didn't look very good today, the plays that I've seen. You get your bye week on October 25th, and I believe the Rams come to town November 1st and Arizona on the road. So everybody, everybody fills in. I guess that, that Denver game now goes to the bye week uh, in between where the Jets were going to play. So, um Everything seems to be okay so far in the month of December when we get there, but it's a long way to go. I, I guess we've got to put all this in in pencil instead of pen. Very, very accurately said. And, and you know, what a good time to come home from a five-hour flight from out west to know you have three weeks consecutively at home here with the you know the home game, a bye week, and another home game too. So that's got to be a happy flight on the way back. John Kinjemi of the Audible Podcast joining us here on Drive Time. John, appreciate it as always, my friend. You got it, Travis. Thanks a lot. And there he goes, John Kinjemi. Always a pleasure to have him here on the podcast. I just, I talk about it every week. I love watching the game with John. Obviously didn't get to see the one this week, but we'll be back next week at Hard Rock Stadium against the New York Jets to go ahead and watch another game together there. Hopefully our first home victory of the season in that game. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and do some house cleaning here on that schedule. You heard John talk about it a little bit there. Home for the Jets next week. It's going to be a 4.05 kickoff Eastern time again. So another late window game for us. The bye week, October 25th, and then home for the Rams after that. Back on the road to the Cardinals. That game remains unchanged. Then we're home for the Chargers the week after that. That one was also a change. And then back on the road to the Broncos the following week. That too was a change. And then the schedule after that remains the same away for the Jets, home for the Bengals, home for the Chiefs, home for the Patriots, at the Raiders, and at the Buffalo Bills. And before I get out of here on this podcast, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it because I, I love the idea and the concept and how effective it has been. The Lynn Bowden Wildcat package and picking up those plays. Again, talking about Miles Gaskin's ability to turn out extra yardage. I feel like Bowden does the same thing on those plays. Always finds a way to get you positive yardage, get you back ahead of the chains, maybe convert a first down or two here, first down or two here and there. So loved just everything about this game. How can you complain about it? Dolphins coming home winners, two and three plus point differential. And you heard Fitz and Flores both talking about stringing some wins together. Hopefully that's coming down the pipe. As for my time on this podcast, that is going to be my time. Go ahead and check out MiamiDolphins.com. We have the Ryan Fitzpatrick spotlight. He did a bunch of stuff to climb up the leaderboard, both in the league and in franchise history today in this game. We also have the recap article up on the website written by yours truly, as well as John Kinjemi's three takeaways from the game. As for the podcast, you all please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. And of course, the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast, as well as MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.